It was all a pipe dream Watching bodyboarding up on TV Deep at reef, watching tension repeats Eating bakery feeds at 18 Living the dream with no sunscreen Yeah, we were so keen Surfing Aussie pipe, buying Riptide Eating shit pies, maybe get high Welcome to the Riptide Bodyboarding Podcast The home of bodyboarding Thank you for joining us on episode 15 of our Verbal Journaling And I'm your host, Luke O'Connor Well, my guest today still holds one of the most charismatic and smooth styles in the game to date. He's a soon-to-be father and a psychologist who originally hails from Box Beach, Nelson's Bay. And he doesn't shy away from a few of the very best. That's right, I'm talking about Ice Cold VB. Uh, Please welcome Mitch Woodland to the podcast. How are you, bro? Good, man. Thanks for your kind words there. Oh, happy days. uh, Yeah. It comes easy, mate. It definitely comes easy, especially um, especially the VB comment. I can only remember so <laughs> iconically in that Leroy section when you, Pierre, Benny Hansen, Dave Crowley, um, I know there was one other, I'm pretty sure, and you guys were over in the Cook Islands. Or... Oh, the Cook's trip. Yeah, yeah. Max and... Um... That's it. Dave Crowley. Yeah, who else was there? Oh, Tom Wilson. Yes. Oh, how could we yeah. leave him out? Style yes. master. Yeah. Yeah, he's a shredder. Yeah, so cool. But I just remember in that clip, you talking about beer and just your, your eyes just glazed over and you can see you're like, this is amazing. <laughs> I can't even remember that, dude. And I feel like I found, uh, like, I don't know, Leroy and a few others, like, recently, and I was watching them and it's just, yeah, it's pretty cringy, to be honest. But uh, I have to find that one where I'm talking about beer. I can't even... I can't even recall that, but that's funny. Oh, yeah, Leroy is one of my favourite movies, man. I've watched it so many times over and over again. And I dreamed about going to the Cook Islands as soon as I watched you guys over there, like surfing socials and the pass and stuff. But, um, yeah, it looked great. Can you tell us a little about that trip? Like, how were the the vibes going over there as a a young pubescent man? Oh, man, it was was like a bit of a dream, hey, because I remember straight after it... um, I think my second season in Hawaii, maybe. So it was sort of like spent maybe nearly a month there and then straight to Hawaii. So it was just like two months of um, perfect waves. But it's a sick place. I don't know what it's like now. Um, I had some friends go there like the year or two after and they said it had already gotten heaps busier. But um, I mean, shit, for bodyboarding, it's like pretty much perfect. Um, I don't know if you've been there, but... Um, I haven't, unfortunately, no. Yeah. I think you can score, like, both sides or pretty much all around the island. We, I think we scored, uh, I don't know if, I want to say it's, like, the north side of the island, but we sort of didn't score the other other side where the reef passes are. Um, and it's a pretty small island, hey? Like, you, you can get around it quite quickly? Pretty quick, yeah. Like, I feel like a few few hours on the motorbike, maybe. Maybe not even. Um, yeah, wow. Yeah, it's pretty pretty small, that um, main island, yeah. Yeah, sick. And what were the um, vibes like with, you know, Benny Hansen, Dave Crowley, like obviously the point I'm getting at, predominantly Aussies, and then you've got this dark horse, Pierre-Louis Costes, the Frenchman just coming in and, and going ham out of all those end bowls. Like, what, what was that like? Oh, so yeah, yeah, actually, you're bringing that up, man. Like, we, no one knew him because he was 15, I think. So he was... Oh, I feel like I think he's only two years younger, maybe, but but he just seemed like a, a kid in comparison to like us. I mean, we were we were kids, but um, 
just so sure of himself and just so he probably wasn't but he was just he was mental man like he i remember he got uh an urchin like stuck his foot because they're just everywhere when you're walking out to the reefs and he didn't he wasn't too phased about it and it, he just left it and it kept getting more and more infected and he couldn't walk but he he would just chuck his fins on it and just absolutely shred like no issue and then come in he could barely walk um that was the first time we all met him pretty much and then yeah got to know him a bit more like traveling and that but yeah he's just burst onto the scene and that yeah it was like first time i'd ever heard of him and seen him surf and it was crazy man um, that urchin story kind of indicates and replicates all the mental fortitude he's shown over the last decade or so on the world tour eh? like this mm. is a never say die attitude pretty much and it, he did yeah he did have that feeling where he was felt like he was hungrier but he was also like because he was younger it just i don't know it was a bit i was like shit you gotta lift your game this this kid is just like he doesn't care and um it might have been that same year i don't know if you remember this bit of footage but he he did he does like this flip at pipe out of the bowl and he doesn't make it but he gets so so worked um and I was just like, far out, this, yeah, he, 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 it's, he used to have a bit more of a death wish, I reckon, like, he, he'd do some pretty stupid, sort of hit some silly things, and, yeah, he just didn't care, it seemed like. Yeah, it was, I'm just trying to recall that bit of footage, and I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about, just for the listeners at home to, to visualise it, was he in a, that classic red and black rip curl spring suit? think so, yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, and yeah, maybe I, I, I feel like he had a yellow board, but maybe not. Maybe he had yeah. his, the same board, like a red slick or something. Well, he's he's and you know to to further that point, he's also done a similar thing at pipe where he hasn't hit the lip, but he took off on that ridiculous like half makeable half closeout, insane twelve to fifteen footer, and he and he got um he just outraced it. Do you remember he was so close to being oh he goes straight cut in half? Yes, yes, goes yeah, yeah. straight. Yes, I do remember that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's right. And, th- and then when we went to Hawaii, he, I'm pretty sure because I obviously ran into him, might have, I think, I don't know if I stayed with him that year, but he was like, yeah, I've been to Hawaii before. I was like, well, how, when? You're 15. And he'd been there when he was like 12 or something and um, had like met Tamiga. I remember just thinking, wow, like this, this dude is just, yeah, he, he was, it was a bit of an inspiration even then at that age. And he didn't speak much English, did he? It was kind of broken and mostly French. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he yeah he, yeah he didn't have great English at all, um, which was, like made it heaps funnier hanging out with him and trying to talk to him because he was pretty quiet. He's definitely um, like hearing him talk now. It's just like you wouldn't even know that's his second language. Yeah, for sure. And I guess also too, he um, I've I've. Uh, caught up in a couple of times in Portugal and the way he speaks Portuguese too, man, is is mm. incredible. I really do think, and you know, this is a classic Australian thing and I always look back on um, my time travelling or looking at a lot of other Aussies travelling, you know, and I see it pop up time and time again and correct me if I'm wrong, man, but we suck at learning other languages. Like, suck. <laughs> yeah, I reckon it's probably a pretty fair point. Um I don't know though if there's good like evidence for it or whatever, but um, maybe it's the accent thing. Like, 
just yeah, I do. It's words, the accent but... for sure. I reckon it's the twang, and it's that weird little, you know, classic Aussie slang colloquialism kind of vibe where we just want to talk in our own, you know, yeah. convict tongue, and we we never want to see. And I guess also we are so far removed from the rest of the world with this big desert island floating down here in the south. It's not like we've got any neighbours to really spur on our our, um, our talents when it comes to language. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And um, I'm pretty sure I've read somewhere too, like learning English second language, um, because you've got all the root words or whatever from like say Spanish is like a... a romantic language or you know so it's like heaps of latin i guess you can pull out of it like the root words and then we've borrowed those into english it's like he uh, or anyone that sort of learns english second language um they have a, a bit of an advantage i think as well like they already sort of understand where these words come from or at least they have them in their own language but um yeah but like that's the thing he speaks french spanish english portuguese and probably bloody other languages so it's it's crazy it's insane man talking about languages what was the um what was the hardest destination that you traveled to for bergen that um kind of trumped you with the language and trying to understand people and and get around on a daily basis ah that's a good question i mean i i know i i did like a spanish course once upon a time because i was like stuff this this is like Seems like a, a good language to know, and dude, smart move, eh? That's yeah. a smart move. So I did, I did like a TAFE course, and I remember recording onto like tapes, like to send back to the lecture or whatever, and they they test you. But um, I sort of forgot a lot of it. I still like could probably pick it up, but as far as like hardest language, maybe maybe just Spanish, how it changes in tempo and speed. So. Like went to Chile, it's pretty mellow, it's pretty slow. I never went to Mexico, but I heard that's pretty slow and slangy too. But um, you go to Canaries and then like a few different spots, even Spain itself. And it's just the tempo in Spain. I just remember thinking, yeah, I, I know a little bit. And then watching telly or the news or whatever um, and just going, I can't even pick a word out of it. It's just too fast. And then learning that Chile is, I think, pretty slow in in terms of like how fast they speak it. Um, but yeah, like went into Basque country once for a day and that was like the guys that we were with, I think we were with Pierre and that they speak French and Spanish and it's obviously situated between them, but they can't understand any of the writing or the words or anything. Um, they were telling me that and it's like super weird. They don't know where a lot of that comes from. Like there's a lot of, I think, X's in the, in the language and it's just, bizarre like on the signs everywhere on the road you're just like fuck <laughs> that looks pretty weird um, yeah, don't man. know how to pronounce it yeah dude that that basque language i i have to concur it's insane me and my um wife we traveled through there in a van from the top of the netherlands down africa and we we hit um the basque country and obviously amazing area like the way it's situated just um i guess west of the bay of biscay and and the landscape and the mountains yeah. behind there and all the old history it's insane but to understand 
I, I, I've got to admit, I, I bought um, weed off one of the local dealers there once um, in, the, in, in the car park at Mundaka, and he kept trying to speak to me um, in plain English, but couldn't get away from those, you know, bass <laughs> terms or whatever. And I had yeah. no idea. And we had been in Spain for probably two weeks at that time, so we've yeah. got a little bit in the background. And dude, yeah, you're so right. It's um, that's a whole different entity that place, eh? Hey? Yeah, it was so. It was really cool that. Um... Just for a day, we just passed through, and I was like, "Shit, you could you could spend a bit of time there. It looked pretty, pretty special, and like just just bizarre. Like these houses, as you would have seen, just you know, undulating hills and just so beautiful. And then the coast, and just like yeah, just like a bit of a fairy tale spot. Did you find the same in Chile and the Canaries? Like because of their obviously they're quite arid landscapes, but did you get blown away by the culture and and the differences in um those parts of the world definitely man i, I love chile and it's funny funny you bring up like i don't know stuff from the past but i was i read something and don't do this please for my sake if you're, if you're listening <laughs> this but like in the there's no eye booklet i found that the other day because i've just been sort of gorging on you know memories and and stuff i'm finding because i'm back on the east coast um at my dad's joint and so like all this crap in the shed i'm just like going wow but i I was reading through it and i said something about the 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 culture in chile like how weird it is and i just i maybe cringed so hard the other day when i found it and i read it and um but it is a it, it it is a weird place but um yeah i feel like just the values and stuff in those places, the way they'd like all hang out, uh, like for example, in that little microcosm of surfing bodyboarding in the coast, but like they'd all just hang out at the spot, like at the, at the break and probably not that different to other places in the world, but it just felt like that they're, they're a lot more uh, cohesive in the, like, they have these big groups of like people. And then when the comps and stuff are on, like they're there, they're all there, like the whole family's there. But um, I, I found both those places really um really special not just landscape but just the the people and their way of life and obviously too you know you go there when you're like what 18 19 20 and you don't know <laughs> that was my you you get exposed to like their even just their cafe culture or something it's like oh man where what are we doing in australia like this is this is living you know like the way that they eat and drink and um put an emphasis on that too as as a society like the culture around eating food or whatever um i love all that i love that yeah and i i totally agree with you on the points man of of you know that cohesive vibe and everyone being there and enjoying each other's company and it really feels to me that that's grassroots bougain you know or grassroots community um Mm. yeah just like People coming together, enjoying their time, not worrying about all the other distractions in life and just making things simple. Like simplicity can be the key to life, um, especially in those sort of areas that, you know, may not have, you know, the crazy whiz-bang cities or the, you know, uh, unending amount of resources and all this kind of jazz. But, there, you know, there's so many studies that show, and I couldn't cite any of them to you, so please don't ask me, but there's so many... Um, there's there's so many sayings and, and studies or, you know, just generalisations of how much uh, happy you can be when your life's simple. So I think, yeah, mm. you hit the nail on the head. Those communities have, have, have got it dialed. You know, I look mm. around, like especially Cronulla, and I've talked about this a couple of times in the podcast, 
Cronulla's not a community anymore. Like there are small parts of it. You know, you still see surfers and bodyboarders on the water and you always say hello and you go out the island and there'll be all the fellas and mm-hmm. that'll be great. But that's only very small amounts of your time spent here in in the suburb now. Like it's all mm-hmm. changed. So, you know, r- reminiscing on those on those things in the past and, and um, just back to your point about saying those cringeworthy things, <laughs> I, I like I, I look back on videos of myself and certain other things that I've even said on my phone only five years ago, and I think to myself, how on earth did that come out of my mouth? That was yeah. disgraceful. But it's almost nice to go back over it because it's a it's a learning curve, and you realise you've you've grown to a different person, and you're not just stuck on the the same hamster wheel, so to speak. For sure, and that yeah, that is how you grow. I guess you have to reflect and and see how limited your your viewpoint or what your biases were. Um, Again, like so, traveling. I reckon at a young age, that was the that was one of the that was the best thing I got from bodyboarding. As a like, if I was getting anything from it, was that I got you know a bit of money to travel and and experience the the cultures and and sort of get a bit of a culture shock. Especially like, too. I'm just thinking on a tangent here, but like Chile's it's it's crazy. You know, I think it is it's still considered maybe third world or at least like when we went up to Peru and that, like there is some pretty uh, hard living there, of course, like, and, um, and, and of course, and there's like affluent places too. So that, but that division is so, so crazy, like how poor people are living and um, yeah, you get that shock. And, and I feel like that even changes your viewpoint, like what, what you might complain about or consider an inconvenience. And it's like, well, this this is actually you know you got to worry about surviving. Um, actually, thinking of stories, I just reminded myself of in Chile once we were, we were at this uh, pizza joint and uh, a guy walked in begging. And I think it was like you know, core fucking old crew. I think Tom Rob was there, maybe um, maybe one of the Wardrobe Bros. I can't remember who else. Rigby, maybe I can't remember, but that guy is walked super in, cool. super cool. And, he was begging for money and we were in like a food joint and um, I don't know if we had any or we were just, we were just wigging out like the, the language barrier and he's like in our face, we're sitting down in a restaurant and he's like walked in and then because we couldn't understand or give like give him money, he's, he's like lifted his shirt up and he, he had a hole like in his stomach, like a like an actual wound hole. I don't even know how he's alive. He's like intestines were sort of like poking out and I just... I just remember how shocked and like, then he got kicked out, you know, the staff kicked him out and made him feel like whatever, you're not allowed to do that. But you're just like, whoa, okay, like we're here bodyboarding and, um, you know, living it up sort of thing. Like, and there's just people like that walking around that um, don't give a shit about that. <laughs> They're just trying to get by and survive. And um, yeah, it's good, good to, uh, in a sense, have those sort of wake up calls when you're, when you're younger and, um, yeah, just think differently about things, I guess. Do you reckon that made you know, those moments you you just spoken about? Obviously, that's extremely confronting, and seeing someone's body parts from the inside out is is something mm. that not many people would have encountered. But have those moments made um, up your mind in regards to living and, and starting a family here in Australia? Um, in do you mean like in in just sort of like the importance of it, or what do you, what do you mean like in um... more so you know those those moments in time, those experiences, they obviously all collate in your head and they and they build up you know a sense of reality. 
did mm. you want to make your reality here in Australia because of those moments overseas? Like, did you oh. ever have any urges before you left Australia, I should have added, that you might want to relocate somewhere else and live somewhere else? Or did, did that kind of solidify in your head? Okay, well, Australia's kind oh, of got us sorted. Yeah. yeah, look, man, I think it just makes me, even just thinking about it now, I haven't thought about that for so long, but um, it definitely galvanises, like, a sense of how privileged we are and and to yeah remind yourself of that like because you don't choose where you're born and stuff like you don't you don't choose any of it so you sort of got to take that into account but um yeah like my my wife wanted to to live in different places in in Europe sort of here and there but I was just like you know just Australia just feels like uh too convenient and and we're so safe here like that's that's one thing i i think people might take for granted or not but um you're just walking around the streets at night in australia like it obviously you can go to some dicey places and places that you wouldn't want to do that but in general like um you know we're so safe walking around the streets at night and you just you just don't seem to get that same sense of security like in a lot of places in the world um so definitely, yeah, it makes you count your blessings, I think, and and try to remember how lucky you are, like, that you're born in Australia and that you can just, like, sort of live here and, and afford it and all the rest. Yeah, and it is all just luck and it's coincidence that we were born into this place and not over in um, another part of the world. But speaking mm. about moments, man, like, and, and obviously you would have had a couple travelling, what was the most hectic moment on a bodyboard trip for you in regards to your own safety being jeopardised? Not out in the water, more so, obviously, you've taken on some very large waves and hit some very heavy sections, but what was the moment when you were travelling and you were just like, oh, this quite possibly could be it? <laughs> oh, man, I'm stuck in Chile, bro, because I'm thinking the the it's a long-winded story, but essentially we got time just, man we got time yeah <laughs> what we were just talking about like feeling unsafe like i remember after the comp one year in chile would have been the last time i went there. i think i went there twice um god knows what year this was but um we had a bit of a bender we went out you know like had some drinks um god i can't even remember who won the comp either but i know that we were celebrating like it was like was maybe at Eureka? This was held at Eureka? Yeah, 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 yeah. At, at Floppos. And um, we had a, you know, a good time, beers, bloody partying. And um, a few of us decided, like, you know, we'll, we'll keep going into the night. We'll go, you know, try different places. And, oh, man, I, I, I just got way too caught up in, in the spirit of it. And at, at one point, I just remember, like, I was on the street corner with these two local dudes and they were, like, hunting sort of, hunting down like cocaine and stuff and one of the guys is like you know when i say run run and i just remember sort of waking up going where the fuck am i what am i doing how do i get (laughs) home like how do i get back to the joint and it was just sort of like survival mode just these guys just i don't know one of them was fleecing me for money to to keep buying this this gear and and it was not a fun time like i realized like holy shit all the all the boys are gone, like the party stopped and I'm I'm so far away, I don't know how to get back. I eventually got back and it was like nearly morning. I remember walking from Floppos to the to the hotel where we used to stay out and the sun was coming up and I just Yeah, I think um it stuck with me for a while because you are in a in a third world place 
there's a language barrier and they they don't care like there's some of the shit I saw that night in the street of just kids selling crack on crack like it's just it's pretty real and um I remember thinking that was super dangerous and super stupid and and yet it's just what you do sometimes when you're young so I think that's probably one of the most dangerous experiences for me was like I could have I don't know you could end up just never getting out of that sort of place because um no one knew where I was and <laughs> no one would ask questions or tell I'd imagine those sorts of places so oh man the missing persons mm. list around the world just grows larger and larger each day hey it's insane mm. when you think about it there's so many you know not, not to um not to make anyone uh listening to this podcast scared of traveling but like when you think about the possibilities and and obviously this shines shines back on the human race saying how many more good and positive people there are are out there and they're not out to you know steal your money or rob you or bash you or even enslave you into um the sex slave game it's more Mm. so like you know like there's the possibility that that on those nights out or those adventures or those times we look back on so fondly and be like, oh, that was crazy, you know, so cool we got through that and, and it's a great experience and I've learned from it. Mm. There's unfortunately a couple of unlucky ones that don't live mm. through that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And don't mm. come back. And it's it's insane to really process that in your head because, you know, so many of us have, have, have had those moments where you get caught up in the night or you've got a crazy travel experience and you take a risk and you do whatever but you're just so lucky when you count back on them to realize that you weren't taken down the wrong path you know because it easily mm. can happen oh definitely and yeah i mean time's in the in the ocean and it's it's like how didn't i hit my head then and like you you really don't understand how you get out of it sometimes and yeah i was singing before too just there was those those two surfers i think in mexico that that were yep. traveling through and they got their their cart like their van burnt and it's like wrong place wrong time obviously they didn't probably hand over the money i don't know what the deal was but like just a sketchy place to be in and uh yeah gone like that and um yeah you think oh yeah go to mexico go for a surf trip that'd be sweet but yeah i mean it, it's crazy things can happen and i think as a as a do as a guy too like when you're younger you, you it's something in you to sort of push the envelope and then the, it sort of comes at a time where you like realise that maybe doing dumb shit or like that testosterone is, um, you're just not, not there with it. I think when you're young, you just sort of do stuff and then afterwards go, whoa, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, you're not thinking stuff through at all. Do you feel like blokes, and especially have a lot more of a tendency than, 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 um, than women in regards to pushing that envelope and do you feel like it's almost trying to prove ourselves to our mates and almost to ourselves sometimes that we can kind of go out and live like a wild man definitely definitely i mean i think just biologically um it's you know testosterone but i think in a in a wider um context there's no like really especially in in probably Western, you know, like Australia and these sorts of places, we don't have rites of passage, you know, so when you turn 18, it's like go to the pub and get drunk and you're an adult now legally, but there's nothing that tells you when you're a man, so that's, I feel like while we get lots of, um, I don't know, if you look around at what happens too, like people getting in fights and, and not that that hasn't always been happening, but it's like pushing the envelope is is sort of, 
that rite of passage like you have to sort of get close to death and i do really feel this for for guys in in a sense is um you've got all this all these chemicals telling you to like to tackle it tackle life and and do stuff but it's like what what is that rite of passage where you're like guided by an older mentor or whatever to be like okay now you're now you're a man you did it like and i feel like a big part of that is is our drinking culture in australia it's pretty um pretty much what we do like you t- you you're sort of waiting to turn 18 so you can be at the pub or at least that was my experience in a way um yeah yeah, yeah but i definitely, definitely think biologically and then culturally and and um otherwise there's definitely factors there that that make us want to get close and you know yeah like you said before some people don't get out of it and i know heaps of people that have you know just pushed it too far and um and and they lose their life and and it's not like they plan to do it or they weren't suicidal but there's like that thing in them just like go faster go harder like go crazier yeah do do more drugs or drink more than the next person and um yeah it's just it's unfortunate when that that happens do you feel like the same set of values and emotions that we were just speaking about kind of um you know pushed your hands into traveling over west when you were um because like you know i really remember uh, watching prestige and watching your section over there and it's an insane section man like you know everyone thought oh he's just from boxing he goes left and da 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 and and you'd proven <laughs> yourself all around the world but you know when you go to wa and, and you're surfing those the, those style of waves that are raw, powerful, you're going left, you're going right, beaches, reefs, you know, outer bombies, all that kind of stuff. Do you feel those sets of emotions that we were just previously speaking about improving yourself made you um, push yourself and, and relocate over to WA for bodybuilding? Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good um, point, I think, probably, because it was definitely conscious to move there because there was... Um, there's right-handers in big ways and obviously, you know, like I saw like dudes like Winnie do it and, and Joel Taylor and like, you're like, well, it seems like a good idea to, um, to be in those bigger waves that are like in Australia consistent. But yeah, I think for me, it was pretty much proving to myself that, um, I could first of all go right. <laughs> Cause I don't think <laughs> when I moved there at like 18, I was still 18 when I moved there. Um, couldn't like couldn't really I wasn't nowhere near um, going right as I could go on left and that's just growing up at Boxy but yeah I think that it seems so stupid looking back and it's crazy the life like where it's led me but if I wasn't so stubborn like um, yeah I need to I need to be an all-rounder I need to get better at going right like it seems so stupid but that yeah I think that was a big part of it actually yeah but um, that's great though because you were you, you know I don't think it's stupid at all you were looking at your game going okay what are my weaknesses I need to you know be more well-rounded and that's the sign of a, a really smart keen athlete and I only remember in prestige man you know there's a there's a um there's your section and then it goes to you having having a yarn and they're they're asking you a couple of questions and then you state like you know they talk about university and doing this and that and obviously you're you're a psychologist now you're a very intelligent person you know you've gone on to to bigger and greater academic achievements but you're saying in the clip man I just can't stop thinking about bodyboarding and I'm just gonna keep (laughs) 
fucking bodyboarding, you know, and it was so yeah. refreshing to see because truly it, you you were saying it from from a genuine place and you were like, man, I'm just got my fucking eyes focused on the prize here and I'm yeah. just booging. Like it was sick. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably less cringy here than that. And and I can remember the interview because it's it's there's an irony, but I think too it shows when when you're younger like so many people try to talk me out of um, not talk me out of, but like reality check. What are you going to do sort of as a career? What are you going to do when this all finishes up? And you sort of got to bury your head in the sand and be like, well, it's going to work out. Like it's going to, I'm going to be able to do it. And I, I can see that in myself when I was, uh, when I watched back on that now is like, there's a bit of a, yeah, I know that this is, um, this, it's not lying to yourself, but it's sort of like you have to believe it that you're gonna do something with it and yeah i guess um the the passion was you did do something truly alive yeah yeah i yeah yeah i get what you're saying thanks for the kind words man (laughs) no that's cool man like because you know you've got to remember that i know everyone goes their own ways and you've come back to bougain which I, i really want to talk about next but like you, you for a lot of young groms back in the day, especially me and um, a lot of my, my, my close friends and the next generation trying to come up or do anything with bodyboarding, like you were um, an Australian star for that. Like, you know, you've got little categories, you've got like your up-and-coming gromies, which like if you look in today's modern age, like Tanner McDaniel was probably like five years ago, that up-and-coming gromie that everyone was kind mm. of losing it about and da-da-da and... I remember Sam Strachan in uh, my hometown, like he was a real big up-and-coming grommy that everyone was like, holy shit, how's he doing these reverses and these inverts mm. and suck rock and blah, blah, blah. You were definitely of that, of that, of that calibre. So even if you didn't go any further in WA and, and push yourself and, and continue to travel the world on the world tour, you still made something of it. But I do understand what you're talking about when your your i guess mentors or like people around you your family are going like what are you doing like it's a great mm. sport but there's no money it's not really going to lead you anywhere in the future like it's it's hard to keep you know knocking back that head noise eh yeah oh for sure and much easier to do when you haven't had to live in the real world and i think that's sort of where it probably intersects is like when you do, when you are like a little bit older working, trying to pay for like supplement, you know, paying for trips or, or, or just getting by and um, you realize, holy shit, like it, it just isn't going to cut it and, and never will, like no matter how many things you do or whatever, like there's just sort of a, a select few that are really, really good and, and are going to, you know, make money from it if that's, if that's the be all end all, but um. Yeah, in a way, it was good. I was sort of left to just do it and figure that out anyway by, like, um, family. And they only, you know, just wanted me to probably just prepare a little bit for the future and and not, like, pull me out of it altogether, but just, like, yeah, can you make money from this? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you definitely can. But, (laughs) yeah, you sort of, you find out, like, you know, you get bills and you got things to pay for and you're like, shit, yeah, it's Yeah, definitely, man. So you, so you, obviously you, you, you booged all your younger years, man. Like you, you went crazy, you went ham. You really gave it a big shot. And then after WA, what was the, what was your, your age or like how old were you when you kind of thought to yourself, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna still boog, but I'm gonna kind of put this more on the back burner and focus on some other avenues and passions in my life. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how old. Um, I was thinking about this before, so I thought you might 
bring it up and, and years and ages I'm just I just I can't it's all so fuzzy but I I do remember the distinctly the moment where I was like the sponsor didn't come through the money in time it was pretty like a, a typical recurring thing where like I was you know chucking on the credit card and then I get the money later and it was just constant you know sort of like chasing your tail there and I just cracked the shits one day and I was meant to go somewhere Canaries or somewhere and, it, and I had to cancel my tickets because it was just like three days out. I had zero dollars in my account. Um, you just can't feel very prepared to, to go on a trip like that with no money. And I was like, nah, stuff it. I'm done. I, I'm, I'm, I can't keep doing this to myself. It's too stressful and just not, it's losing all its fun. And it just feels like I'm just caught up all the time thinking about how I'm going to pay for the next thing. And, um, and then, yeah, stayed in WA, um, Sort of booger, not really. I reckon I probably had a pretty good hiatus where I wasn't really surfing, maybe a bit of body surfing or something. But um, where were you living in WA? Uh, I was still in Margs then, definitely still in Marga River then. Um, my girlfriend was living in Perth. Though. I remember the day when that happened. But um, yeah, and then sort of probably. Oh man, I think I came back over east for a little bit for like a year, and then moved back to WA until like a year ago. Um, yeah, wow. So, and what, that, that's been like a five, six, seven year kind of thing? Like, what's the, um, I don't know the exact dates, but. I reckon over 10 years ago. Um, wow. What are we, 22? I reckon, that's been like 2011. No, nah, 20, 20, yeah, 2011. Um, I remember I went in the box comp over there, but I was riding a, I was riding a manta board. So I'd, I'd obviously, I'd, I'd stop riding for whatever, um pride so yeah maybe 20 yeah so let's just say yeah it's pretty long 11 years or or whatever Um, and so you had that time in wa man you kind of gave the boog up for a bit focus on other things obviously got your accreditation in psychology which is Mm. incredible um and then it almost feels like i'm on the other end of the end of the lounge right now you know (laughs) i feel like Coming like writing down notes, you know, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, speaks okay, but he's kind of got a couple of screws loose. You might have to sort that out later. <laughs> no, um, definitely not. <laughs> and then um, you've 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 come back east, and you know, we I, I keep hearing, I've sp- spoken to Tani Sams in um, one of our first potties, man, about the froth back in the bay, back in Nelson's Bay. Can you? Yeah. Can you tell me how that reoccurred? Because it, there's some noise coming out of that beach at the moment. I don't know, man. I know, um, so I drove back over with my wife um, in the pandemic. It was all locked down, obviously, till what, December, end of last year. And um, I wasn't, you know, I hadn't really connected up with any of the uh, any of the boys, like Dal and um, like any anyone, really. And I just sort of started getting back into it and then just sort of evolved slowly where we were like, oh, sick, we're all sort of, still loving Boogan and, and the waves are just so pumping through summer. I think that had a big thing to do with it. Um, and then, yeah, they were talking about like making clips and, and doing stuff and it's just sort of kept rolling. Like it's just everyone's levels have just been topped up again. I don't know. It's, it is strange. It is like going 10 years ago into, into the past in a way, <laughs> like the, the way that everyone's sort of like pushing each other and, um, just keen, just, I think, like, just keen and talking about it all the time and just amping each other up to, to like, get clips or just, I don't know, just spend the day down there. And um, 
hang out. It's, uh, I don't know what it really is the catalyst apart from we're just blessed here to, to have this beachy that, um, that sort of works a lot of, it works a lot of the time. Like it, it obviously has its conditions that it needs and stuff, but it, you can always get a freaking wave down there and, um, maybe that's part of it too. It's just so consistent. Are you um, stoked to be back home, kind of in your rightful place, being the gatekeeper? Because I can only remember um, you doing a skit with Dale, him, him being um, you know, a Frenchman in, in, in a hatchback coming down the road and you kind of shooing him away going, mate, not yeah. today. You know? <laughs> yeah, oh, man, it, it's, it is definitely like... Because I hadn't really been Boogan. Where, and where I was living in WA too was like between Perth and, and um, Margaret River. So there's not really waves there and... So I hadn't really, wasn't conditioned at all, like, and so when I got back, it was like, yeah, you start out, sore ribs, sore back, like cramping, and so it's just, it's, if I wasn't living as close as I live, and um, didn't have that beach here, I definitely wouldn't be, wouldn't be doing it, I don't reckon, just, it's just like, not an age thing, but just for, for motivation, and to, like, like I say, again, if you've got a skate park that's just down the road, um, you're going to go use it sort of thing. Whereas I think in WI just, uh, it was all always too hard or too far of a drive. I don't know. There's always an excuse that, um, made it a bit harder to do, especially with, you know, commitments and stuff, but. Oh, for sure. And putting it first. But, um, I I really find that, that comment about the, uh, the sore muscles and bones, man, like how do you deal with, um, with like, you know, getting back into Bergen for the, for the first time in, you know, possibly maybe just, just under a decade. How was, how was the body holding up? Cause man, like oh, Boxy man. Beach is not like a forgiving wave when it comes to that. Yeah. Oh man. I always thought this, but like, it's obviously start doing a few inverts and you're like, why do I do that? That is just so bad for my body, but you just can't help yourself. But, um, I think you just. I think I'm okay at the moment. I don't know. In another ten years, I'll let you know. But um, you just push through at the moment. That's that's what I had to do. Like I didn't get any ulcers, which is funny. But I'm using some bloody retro Churchills, like some original Churchills. So oh I think the rub, man, a bit the Malaysian forgiving. rubber. Yes. From what I hear, like this is from what I hear that the other rubbers cook you. But um, ribs and back, lower back was like I didn't think it was going to get better like my lower back especially but it just did so i don't know if that's like just mus- muscle conditioning or just what but like i was thinking oh, definitely arthritis in there and like you know in your joints but um i just sort of pushed through it and just i don't know i'm, I'm good now I'm, I'm i sort of don't have any complaints body wise which is pretty pretty amazing because it does wreck you and like i say you a couple of good sessions out there and um you sort of like wondering should you be <laughs> like sending it and like nearly you know talk about like having kids and that you just i don't know it's it's a hectic sport what you do to your body for the for the payoff which is like flying through the air or um yeah just hitting it with no no regard for your body yeah it's, but there's um, no better mm. feeling eh, mitch there really oh, isn't i reckon that's why there is like a sickness with us, us bodyboarders. And I agree. I look at our older brother surfing. I think to myself, they pop up on their feet 
They mm. use their own balance much like you would just while you're standing on, on solid ground. Mm. And the way, you know, much like snowboarding, it's quite natural to just be up on your feet and to use, you know, your legs as stabilizing points and using your upper half to kind of sway you backwards and forwards. That's, that's pretty standard to me. But when you look at bodyboarding, you know, and it's funny, like I heard something from um, a physician the other day who was helping a bloke with a with a real bad back and he said, bodyboarding without the air is actually not too bad for you in regards to like stretching out your spine and getting you to arch your stomach and to get you to not be so hunched over, which there's mm. one positive for sure. But I have to agree with you, man. Like it's so unnatural what you're doing. Even coming down, I'll say like an invert, if you're coming down just that slightly bit more inverted, I guess you know you're mm. you're gonna you're gonna put so much more pressure and and um, energy through your spine the way you're coming down and like what when in surfing or when in other water sports are you really getting flung out into the flats with your ribs and stomach and your shoulders almost oh. naked to the to the fact that they're they're gonna cop a beating you know. Oh, man. Yeah, well, I guess we surely would have coined the term, or at least, you know, used the term, like, scorpion. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, like, it is pretty weird to be on your gut and um, landing on your gut. Like, I think about skating, snowboarding, surfing, it's like landing on your feet. There's, like, a shock. You know, you can you can bend your knees and absorb the shot. With, with Boogan, you're just sort of, like, belly flopping onto concrete and... Um, sort of hoping it just you bounce or you land on something soft but yeah i did one or oh, an invert maybe uh, i feel like it's at the start of the year and i and i've got it on footage and i scorpion so bad but i ride out of it but it like it did tickle my spine and i remember thinking shit like you this <sighs> it is it's a conundrum because you're cruising along and you just see this thing gonna pitch you out and you're like yelp and then you, as soon as you're in the air looking down you're like fuck why did i especially an invert too where your board's like dead flat when you're coming down but yeah yeah it it, it worked me man and i don't know you just keep going back you just can't can't not hit it i guess you gotta go back to the well for more water man one more yeah. time one more dump. Yeah. Well, especially it. boxy how, how how can't you like you guys have that perfect wedge to and you know it, it seems so quick to me like watching it from from footage but obviously you guys know your lines and your um you know like you position the lineup so well but like that wedge with all that power coming together in that one zone like it'd be it'd be a crime not to hit it really it'd be a full oh, crime for sure and that's yeah that's that is the conundrum out there is like speed it's a wedge it's pretty much made for to do an invert or an air rev most waves and i mean yeah you just i i I think too that's probably when i look back about like guys that took um the fitness side really really serious like and obviously it's a good idea but that's something i never did when i was younger and that probably has implications now for my body but like core strength and that you sort of write it off your like, yeah, whatever like you've, i've got core strength from from bodyboarding but like guys like amori and, and all those strength training dudes like it, it you can make it a little bit safer at least for your for your spine but um yeah you just i don't know we, we do have a sickness luke i agree i agree <laughs> oh it's weird man people i, I know because you know i still boog around home and people um 
people ask me all the time, oh, do, do you still bodyboard? And thinking that it was just like a fad or thinking that it was yeah. something that as a girl me, I'd do. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I still love booger. Like I, I mix it up with surfing too because the waves at home, um, yeah. especially for, you know, most beaches, our beaches here in Cronulla are just absolute dog shit. Like, yeah. They're just some of the worst. But um, yeah, like if 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 I were to, to, to go back over all the comments and all the, um, and all the, the weird looks that I've gotten from people going... Yeah, bodybuilding, eh? You're a bit of a strange bunch, you guys, eh? A bit of a strange bunch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember once um, going through, I think it was Heathrow, and the customs dude asked me, like, what I did. Why, why, why was I coming into the country? And I was just passing through, going somewhere else. I said bodyboarder, and he, obviously being British, had no idea what that was. And he thought I said bodybuilder. And he looked at me, and he's like, bodybuilder? <laughs> And I'm like, nah, bodyboarder. And then you're always forever explaining to people what it is. It's sort of like surfing, but it's like you're on your gut and it's like, oh, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, boogie one, yeah. It's just, yeah, it is like that. Um, it's weird coming back to it, though, now and as a, as a full-blown adult because uh, it's definitely still functional, super functional. It's definitely still just as fun. But uh, I don't, yeah, I it is weird, like, I, th- I feel like a lot of guys do migrate to surfing because it's, like, a grown-up thing. But I think a lot of that, too, for bodyboarders, is just, it's, like, another challenge. I know that was, like, for me, I just thought to start surfing was um, you just get to learn everything all over again. Um, yeah, and you how appreciate... How to waves and... Yeah, and you actually appreciate bodyboarding for what, it, for what it's worth because... And you can apply some of the skills that you've learned through Bergen into surfing and vice versa, some of the skills that I've acquired through surfing and watching, um, you know, different surfers out in the lineup at just, you know, classic Canal Point or shoes or like mm. whatever. You, they draw different lines which you then can take into bodyboarding and it really does kind of, they, they almost go hand in hand. And I've always thought, you know, you look at some of the most well-accomplished watermen out there, they can do everything in the water it's not to say that you've you've um, you've crossed the line and you've you've gone over to the to enemy borders. You know you're actually just um, just furthering yourself as 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 a waterman in the ocean. Mm. And I, I think it's epic. I think it's so cool when people mix and match the sport. Like I'm, I'm not saying drop bodyboarding and go surfing, but every now and again give it a try when the waves are super small and gutless or at a point and you can learn a couple of things surprisingly, mm. which I was so so like I used to hate surfing Mitch. Like I yeah. was so off it man. Like from the age of like when I could get taken down the coast by mum and dad, we had a holiday house down at Narawali, which is um just north of Molly Mook and the Ulladulla area down the south coast and you know I grew up surfing down there and it was pretty much all surfers except um, if you went to Bali or something or other and there were obviously shitloads of bodyboarders but I never got taken down there and so when we were surfing the beach it was always surfers and just the attitude that which they harboured would just made me hate the sport and I used to like mm-hmm. look at everyone in the lineup and the arrogance and whatever and, and it seems like the grown up sport and, and you're looked down upon and stuff like that and I always resented that and until the age of like 21, 22 I was never going to try anything on a surfboard and the, and the day I did and kind of opened my eyes up to it it's almost like liking one genre of music and then rubbishing every other genre and you're like man there's so many other amazing sounds out there and so many other vibrations that you can get into 
that you don't need to just keyhole yourself into one zone. But then yeah. still keep that passion there and still keep that desire to do it. And obviously, you've you've got it, man. You've you've come back after just under a decade back into back into Boog life. Like, yeah, what do yeah. you love most about Boog and Mitch? Like, I've, I have to ask you, like, what's the one thing that you like you can't get out of your head? Uh, that's a good question. I reckon um, just late or just lately, you know, sort of like trying to to work on things. There, there, for me, there, there is no better feeling than sort of that unhinged feeling of like just not wanting to send it, but it's like just just being critical on the wave. Like so, using that intuition to be like, you know, I'll do I'll do a half turn here, and then like you're not really thinking ahead, and you sort of, but yet when you maybe if you get to watch the wave back and footage, you sort of go, oh, it looks like I sort of planned all of that, but. It's just following those micro, like adjustments and in, in your intuition, and just yeah, I guess being in that flow state that people talk about, and um, that that for me is is the most addictive part or the funnest part is is looking forward to going really fast and then just being able to like cut loose and whatever that is like rail surfing or I don't yeah, even just getting pitted, but like um, that is super addictive, I reckon. What, was there a moment in your career when you felt you had reached flow state? And obviously, you know, you can't just call upon flow state all, all, all the time and you're not going to be in it for that entire period of your trip or wherever you're going mm. or like, whatever it is. But is, is there a key moment that stands out for you where you, you, it was all just happening on autopilot and you were doing it through pure feel and intuition? Not really, man. Like I actually have thought about this recently where it's just like I think – perhaps being even even the opposite, like inhibited the whole time. I was trying to, like if you're trying to surf for footage or photos or you're just trying to like, you have an idea I've got to do like a certain move. I don't know, this happened to me, but maybe not other people, but actually the opposite. So I don't, I, I feel like now, um, you know, I don't have sponsors, I don't have to worry about anything. It's just for fun. It's like you can get, I can get into that flow state super easy now and that's it's heaps more enjoyable but um i think when i look back to you can sometimes tell in i can tell my own surfing that i was a little bit inhibited because you're sort of overthinking and you're not not and maybe that's fighting against how you naturally surf like i know you know you can work on different aspects of your surfing and change how you surf but if you think about or if i think about what what i was trying to change at times it was because i wasn't embracing just how I did a, a move or read a, a section or like, you know, my elbow, my outside elbow tucked in, I didn't like it. So I'd be fo- hyper-focused on not doing that every wave. And then you sort of lose this magic, which is um, just following, like I say, those little micro intuitions. And yeah, so I think in large, like I pretty much look back on a lot of that surfing and go, man, I wish I could could have been a bit more uninhibited and just sort of let rip, like, however, however I was going to surf and, and not worry about style or or what I thought it needed to look like. So, style's yeah, maybe a, now. Style's a tough one, man, eh? Style mm. is a full tough one. And, yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. I think, um, you know, as you just stated, maybe maybe now, like, is the, is the time that you're feeling the most free and flowing you're surfing? I know um, myself when I go out and surf and I haven't put anything 
in my head or worried about doing this or, or doing that. Like it is just all through pure instinct and notion. And yeah, everyone becomes so critical of themselves in regards to wanting to mirror someone else's um, style through certain aspects of their surfing that it can take away from it. I, I know the whole elbow thing so much, you know, I'd look back on photos or footage of myself, which, which again was nowhere near your level of riding on the world tour, but just looking back on the local stuff and going, like, why the fuck is there spray on my inside rail right now? Like, why is <laughs> yeah, this you're getting down on yourself? Like, oh, and it's a, it's an epic wave, and you took off, and you and you 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 got out, it got out of bed this morning. You you made that happen on that day. You you put yourself there. You read that wave, but you're just focusing, and it's innately human to look at the negative aspects of of any sort of situation first because of the flight and um, fight response. But like you. You you should just be stoked on on what you've what you've achieved on that wave, let alone one little small imperfection that's not going to look good in a photo when you in you or f- for you anyway. Probably no one else is going to fucking notice it, you know. But yeah, it's, well that's those it. Little no, things. One, no one seems to notice it, and I think going back to something you were saying before about like um or like loosely connecting it here, but like maybe in in bodyboarding, skaters, surfers, like there is a a level of neuroticism like it does attract in i think a certain type of person that is pretty analytical and super concerned with like how it looks how it felt but like how it looks and um and we yeah i mean i know for myself i just would get so so hung up about what i didn't do or what what i was meant to do rather than being like oh you you sort of did the most you could on that wave or um yeah, like you, you had a go at least, you know, I think too, because in bigger waves, it, it changes it and um, and you sort of lose that control that you might have in smaller waves, like about how you control your body and stuff. So yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's all good food for thought, like about, you know, there's definitely got to be a conscious element when you're surfing for me, like it has to be, I want it to... I want to I want to just like dig this rail in as hard as I can and pivot and you know like have a sense of what you're going to do as you're doing it but but at the same time not like uh yeah getting all caught up in your head about like a rule or, or something that you know I should cross my leg over this way and not that way or like that that leg sort of did this and it's like oh stuff that that's just it's counterproductive definitely that's a that that's a big point, man. Like you know, going back to the the leg crossing thing, and which leg comes up first for say like a right hand reverse or a left hand reverse, and you know, I I really do take your point on board about bodyboarders being very analytical and constantly over analysing. Like there was a stage there where you know, which was a huge feat, but and I've mentioned this a couple of times on the podcast, and I'll mention it again when this when the Sunny Coast boys got down to. Uh, the fine art of crossing their legs to you know mm. just like in impossible positions man like where yeah. you're just like how is this happening but and it was amazing and, and I, I think it was like a huge leap in style and and um and i enjoyed watching it i watched all the, their videos over and over again like especially sam bennett he was a huge idol of yeah. mine growing up knowing like he was in my um he was in my like nationals age group and he was just that that like shining star and he had the same ability to cross his legs in that way you you overanalyze that so much and you actually miss 
what's actually going on in the wave and and the the other aspects of it where mm. like style can then be can be almost crippling it can be it can be so advantageous but then crippling at the same time it's so hard yeah. to to wrestle with it oh definitely man and uh yeah i remember I had this like book on like style like as a kid like cutting out pictures about like different moves and just that level of just like sort of ridiculousness and um but sort of realizing too at the same time like why we all loved Hardy or Stuart or, or whatever is because it, it was so functional crossing your legs that it, you know you spin quicker it looks better but then you know Brazos or someone else do it a different way and they still spin quicker but culturally that looks good to them and and yeah I think it's just interesting how if functionality is style it doesn't have to be uh there's more than one way to skin a cat i guess and yeah you don't like i don't know look at winnie or rollins and that they don't they don't have to cross their legs they don't even bring them up sometimes and it, it looks incredible because it's functional um it's powerful too eh? they've got such yeah. a, a power presence about them yeah definitely and just and it's their own so they're not trying to imitate someone i guess as well who was um your favorite bodyboarder growing up, man? Like who was who was the person you'd always look up to and be like, oh, that is how you bodyboard. Oh man, I, yeah, again, Hardy and Stewart. I think everyone that's just in the DNA. Like you just just want that control and finesse and everything. But then I think for stylists, probably Skip Skipper and um and Rollins. Like oh man, those, Brendan Newton said two. the exact same thing, dude. Yeah, exact right. Same about Skip. Loved those yeah. reverses and the way he would be able to just same thing with the cross legs. Wasn't always cross, wore different fins, but yeah. made it happen in oh, his man, own I functional style. I can't imagine like trying to make like those big chunky wide boards he used and like tech fins or whatever they were. Like I just like, no one <laughs> could do it. I don't. It just it's it is strange and it is strange even like. Hard and those those massive vipers. Like if you try to do that, it just would would look so ridiculous. But he he had a way, or does have a way, of making it like that sort of stuff look so sick and stylish somehow. Um, which is cool with bodyboarding too, I reckon. Like there, and I think as I get older, it's like, well, what is the best? Like how do you you know? It's like having a favorite color or like a a favorite song. Like it changes as you change and. Um, there is no way to quantify it. Like who, who's the best? It's so subjective. And um, yeah, I think I found that as I got older too. Like I, I didn't have to be cragged up. I didn't have to follow, you know, the Hardy sort of way. But it is also like he was an Aussie. So what do you do? Like it's just what we gravitate towards is that that style. I think for Aussies especially, it's just the Churchills, the. <laughs> the the everything the color combos and then the way he surfed it's just it's hard not to take that in yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. and when you're seeing him physically in the flesh too lucky enough to surf with him or you know to see him surf the ways you've previously surfed and how he approaches it and all that kind of stuff it just is imprinted in your mind forever i'm always think just like this the 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 most um classical and iconic setup would be just a plain black weddie a yellow board with black rails, orange slick, little tailpiece in there. Didn't really matter much the colour, but I'd probably prefer black and then just your Churchills with your laces up and then yeah. you're an Australian stylish bodyboarder. 
<laughs> That's it's so funny, Silas. This is pretty much exactly what I'm running at the moment, and it's not by choice. That was just coincidence. Like, but it is. There's it's something about those colorways and stuff that just feels so bodyboarding. Like, <laughs> there's so many whack things in my opinion now out there. Like colors and stuff. I'm just like, I wouldn't buy it. But it's it's cool to see that that we've, we we're not anchored to one way and not we don't all look like Roland's clones like that era was pretty hectic um, um so dude, I reckon that's see. half the reason why people got um so many Australians got in trouble in Hawaii man we all just liked a, a <laughs> flock of like bodyboarding bacteria just almost cyborgs yeah. turning up turning to the same things and hassling as hard as we could definitely man the blonde hair just yeah the whole the whole thing but actually going back to your question I just thought of someone else like rippers like jace finlay and um like that that style of dude where he was just and he's such an all-rounder like um i just can't yeah can't can't praise those sorts of riders enough how um they've just got it all like big ways small ways style airs like everything that dude does is just uh incredible and still does to this day, like lives yeah. a poorly, rides a foil, rides a male, a short board, gets towed into big waves and paddles out, you know, a certain left-hand bombing down there and just drags himself through 15-footers, goes and collects, you know, about a 1,000 oysters out of the Clyde River down at Batemans Bay in the same day and then comes home to his beautiful family and, you know, it just wow. continues to provide and does it all over again. Like, he, yeah, I, I take my hat off to him too, man. Like, he is yeah. a special dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw something about these oyster farmers. Look, that looks pretty interesting. Yeah, wild down there. He's actually, um, the, the last time I was I was down there, we were lucky enough to pass through. My, my wife, Lozzie, she is obsessed with oysters and she'd probably, she'd be happy to get zinc poisoning um, over and over again. <laughs> just eating the lots yeah, of Yeah, right. It's crazy. <laughs> but he was um, really nice to give us a tour of the, of, of the farm and, Man, they, they've got it dialed down there and they've got it dialed to such a um, point where they've um, employed um, a local Aboriginal fella who, I think he goes by the name of Audrey, and, and this was three years ago now, so things might have yeah. changed, it might be a different setup, but they get so detailed into where and how they harvest their oysters that during different times of the year, they're constantly swapping their you know, six month or year or two years or whatever aged oysters up and down the stream in regards to like tea tree flow, different rains, different tides, if birds are nesting in certain areas like fertilization, there is just so much that goes into it. And, you know, oysters being pretty much one one of the main filters um, in like a a river or or ocean ecosystem. It's just... um, it's just it's just just crazy to to, to yeah. see like all of it, all the stuff that goes into it. Like it really blew my mind. I just remember seeing oysters in the in the shop front of seafood restaurant man and or whatever, and be like, oh yeah, they're they're, they're pretty weird looking things. I wonder how they taste. But to see it all behind <laughs> the scenes, it's crazy. Well, yeah, integral parts of uh, healthy waterways. We've got a fair bit here actually. The, a bit of a resurgence, I think. I think there was an issue for a while with like the the water quality and then it like yeah they get sick or they get that like some sort of disease they can't recover from but oh it's sick he's doing it like fuck what a job i know and to be on the water but um yeah you were just saying like back your way are you are you relocated back in nelson's bay 
Yes, yes. I got to pull you up too, Luke. Nelson Bay. So when oh. when 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 we hear people say Nelsons, it's like yeah, they're from Sydney. But um, yeah, man. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Nelson, Nelson. I no, no, no. It's all good. You're from Sydney, so what do you do? Everyone, that's yeah, what everyone it's says. Fucked, mate. In the big smoke. It's, it's it sounds. Man. It sounds more correct too, because it's like a person, like Nelson's Bay. But yeah, Nelson Bay. Yeah, that area. That that's yeah. That's where I'm at now, pretty much. Um, Sick. It's gonna I stay here, I reckon. Like after. Oh, 12 or however many years it was over over west it's like sea change back over here and and loving it man all the different smells and seasons it's just like you get so used to um i remember how different wa smelled when i when i went there and like how different the seasons felt and then you all of a sudden get used to it and it's like you come back here and it, even though it feels like home it's it's foreign so it's been a good sort of acclimatizing the last year just like yeah, like the run of waves and, and just the, I, I guess, people have been saying it's been bad weather, but I feel like it's been pretty good considering, um, I don't know, if you spent winter in Margs, it, it can get pretty bad there, so uh, I'm yeah, not complaining at all. Yeah, you guys get periods over there for like, you know, two, three, maybe even four weeks where it's just blatantly howling on shore. Hey, like at least on the east coast, you, you've got a little bit of buffer and you've got different um, different weather patterns because we don't just get those brute roaring 40 storms huh yeah that's it and yeah like days days here and there at least here where it's like you can yeah it'll it'll back off for a bit or whatever or, or at least like the low will turn into an offshore or whatever but over there it's just like relentless um so you just sort of give up checking it or whatever checking the surf but um it's good sort of good drinking weather <laughs> good um just doing other stuff i guess like yeah, I don't. I definitely don't. Didn't didn't miss uh, winter over there this year though. It's, it was yeah. sick to be back here and like get those those nice sunny sort of wintry days. Well, the east coast is so blessed, eh? Like I know we, even for the east coast standard, we kind of had a bit of a wet winter and there was um, some drizzle and it probably not as many classic sunny days as we expect. But yeah, you're so right. Even in those in between days, it's still. You can still go to some parts of the coast, so the, in the beach or in coves, where it gets to like 21, 22 degrees, sun on your back, shelter from the wind. It feels just like a spring day again. Mm, yeah, that's it, man. No, I'm, I'm definitely loving it being back over. I um, yeah, I'm just sort of. I mean, winter actually was a bit of a bummer way-wise, but that's I think to be expected with the the weather patterns we've had, and and it might be a good summer again. So. Yeah, I'm just sort of like, just, I don't know, I've got to get some new gear and, and just um, find some more time, man. That That's the, the main enemy, I think, as you get older, is like the time to to go out and enjoy like a surf with your mates and um, or take the miso down, whatever, whatever works. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, man. It's like if, if this summer is like last summer, I'm going to be I'm stoked. You might have to dust off a couple of the old Mitch Woodland Pride models in, in your dad's old shed, eh? Yeah. Well, I found one. It was pretty pristine. And um, Really? So it hadn't really yeah. been used or just a couple of surfs? Maybe, maybe one or two, yeah. It wasn't slippery, oh. but it's like old, old, I want to say it's old Dow, but I think it's actually got two stringers and Dan Sylvester used to make them and um, like the custom boards for us and yeah, it's it's a piece of work. It's It's really... 
I don't want to wear it in too much like I have, but it's, I'll just, yeah, it's sort of like actually one of the only boards I got and then a, a local shaper um, around here that's sort of, he can't make them anymore because he can't really get the materials, but he, he whipped us up a board and he's come a long way. It's like, it's really good quality. Um, but just the materials have changed so much. Eh? It's just, it's not the same as that old, old feeling. For yeah, me, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I see a lot of people riding sick boards. So I don't know. I haven't tried them yet, but. No, no, no. I definitely agree. Like, you know, I, I look back on, I remember getting toys boards. Or I remember getting even pride combos and they used to be Dow. And oh mm. my goodness, there's something about that material that, um, yeah, just allowed responsiveness. Obviously, they die a lot quicker, but who fucking cared, man? Like, it just yeah. felt so good underneath here. Like, I think your point's so valid, man, that these days some of the, the products that we use try to mirror Dow or try and get more longevity out of it. But um, I find, like, some of the some of the boards, but before I hopped on handpick, there were a couple of boards in the, the transition stage um when they were going from different materials that I, I had to kind of give back and I didn't want to ride them because they were so so unforgiving like even when yeah, you're skipping right. over like imperfections on a wave you know like you know there'd be like a ripple up it or there'd be a step instead of absorbing that that imperfection and and you still keeping a clean rail and bouncing over it or uh, kind of cutting through it you'd be stopping your tracks half the time or you try and do a move and come down and you'd have no no flex in your board so you'd just get exploded off or whatever. It just didn't seem just didn't seem like right. And yeah. you know, even even the handpick boards I'm I'm riding now, they're amazing and, and they've got this apex core and I think they're 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 really cool boards, but they're still not the same as what Dow used to be and unfortunately it mm. seems like we're never gonna get back there. <laughs> and I was just thinking then like as you're saying that how of course, it, it, it's changed how we surf and like approach moves and, and waves and, and you look at the old potato chips that they were using and you think, how the hell did Stuart or Ben Severson or any of those dudes do anything? Like, you couldn't, I can't imagine taking off on a wave on one of those boards. And then we, yeah, had that period where it's like, we didn't realise it was finite, but like all those four-play stock boards, I'd went through so many Rawlins models like because they were just so you would just keep buying them and then all of a sudden you couldn't and um it definitely would change I'd imagine how we surf but I don't have enough insight to know like what all the what all the good dudes think about that like all the you know the current sort of top dudes and what they're riding and that I don't I'm not like a, a tech head enough to know um what the like even what you said apex core I'm like what the fuck's that I wonder what it sounds cool but it's like, yeah, it's just not old Dow. <laughs> That's pretty much all I know. But um, yeah, I'd be intrigued. Have you uh, have you hit anyone else up about that, Luke? Like, in in what boards they're using, and I know there's some pretty whack things out there where I'm like seeing these like quad core or like fucking channels that go the whole way up the board and stuff. And I've heard some people say it's sick, and I've heard some people say it's bad. Like they 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 can't use it and. Um, yeah, have you have you like sort of dug into anyone's brain about that much? Like different um, cores and and I spoke things? with um, Joanna Schenker uh, last week, and she was saying um, 
that her science boards are going really well and she's she's super happy with her template and and um you know the, the the different features she's running but it didn't really the conversation didn't lead into the the actual um like the the actual materials itself so yeah I, i'm just trying yeah. to look back i haven't really talked to anyone else you're probably the first person just because of the um you find in your old pro models in your, in your dad's house <laughs> and that sparked my memory because he obviously doubt and i've seen actually a couple of articles floating about i think a couple of the info boys have written about um you know the 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 varying the varying kind of pieces of technology out there at the moment and the the, the different cores and and is is Bugen suffering because we're we we don't have that Dow core sitting there at our, at our disposal and you know in cold water yeah. it probably was like the absolute best thing like I probably wouldn't recommend taking it over to Hawaii or Chopes unless it was just fresh off the um it was like a, did you actually I should I should ask you that because I've only surfed in the Pacific a, a handful of times did you ever ride um, Dow boards over there and and found they were sweet. Uh. Only, I never got to Tahiti, but um, only, yeah, like say in the Cooks or went to Samoa like in 2013, but I think I had a Polypro board. But yeah, it, I remember like a few times in in Bali, obviously everyone could really relate to the, but like how how much it would change in that warmer water, like the those older boards. But um, yeah, I can't really speak to bigger bigger surf in in those cores but um i was just thinking it's it's funny how it must have changed how we surf like move wise or just speed but then thinking about how fast some people can go it just seems on ship boards or like any board like do you do you reckon people like the top dudes so when and when i say that i mean like tristan and tanner and, and all those guys they gone faster than what people were like 10, 15 years ago, do you reckon? Like, it seems like sometimes they are, but then I think about vintage Rawlins or something, or even not that long ago, and I'm like, wow, he, he's going so fast. Yeah, yeah, true, man. No, no, it's, it's a super valid point, and it's the one that definitely makes me think, but I only, my first thought was to go back and try and go back through the memory banks and see who did some of the biggest airs back in the day and I'm thinking about Sean Virtue and mm-hmm. you know and, and all like and he was probably riding Dow boards and, and um and the like and, and he would do some of the biggest punts known to man. So I think the speed thing maybe with a stiffer board they are generating more speed in a general sense. But I think if you have the right rider in the right conditions on the right wave mm. that that they're and and the way they taught their body like is it just only speed or is it how you're actually approaching the lip in the last final milliseconds and how you're projecting your body not just the actual speed of your rail because i would look Mm. sometimes you know i'm going to mention him again sam shrakin was a really good um proponent of this where he would just come up to an average bowl but because of his lanky frame he could um he could really pop himself, and maybe you're a little bit the same, Mitch. Like you, you and you and Sam, uh, are you over six foot? Nah, no, no, I don't even know how tall I am. Nah, no, nah, not. But probably length, like probably, yeah, maybe that similar. I don't, I don't even know. Like, um, pretty, yeah, like the framework itself. Pretty was, was pretty gangly when I was younger. 
Yeah, and the way you <laughs> did you ever feel? <laughs> did you ever feel like you'd you'd hit a section and you would you would pop yourself out more, even though you might not have had the speed or the direct line into the bowl? But if you could, if you could find a technique to be able to get that extra bit of pop in your move, I found there were some really good boogs that, that could do that on on wheel, and like it would make. It would make up for the for for possibly like the shit wave or not gaining enough enough speed off the takeoff. Like, did you ever see that in bodyboarders? Yeah, I guess. Like, I'm just thinking now, going off on a tangent, how it does seem like there was. I remember thinking about this years ago, like an optimum size because Hardy's pretty. Like, I used to think he was pretty tall and and sort of that lankier build, but he's not. He's not super tall, and um, I mean, he used to only ride like 42, but that seemed to be like the perfect uh, height. And, and BP was a bit like that too. Winnie, they were all sort of like that longer build, I'm going to say, at least compared to me or when I was a, a Grom. But um, yeah, it seemed like some of the smaller guys, like um, the pocket rocket type dudes were like, they were able to really generate like pop out of the bowl. Whereas the lankier guys, yeah, maybe needed that more perfect, section or or whatever but um yeah like you think yeah. maybe say like a jake stone or you think even yeah. a pierre you know like but that I'm, sort of but sam bennett actually he was like he's you know that sort of taller frame and and he just seemed to i don't maybe it's just the core strength and, and i'm sure heaps of people um could probably you know attest to that like when you strengthen your core then everything moves from that and so yeah it's probably probably a big thing to do with that like how you pivot out of a section or whatever probably just comes down to that and like i said before (laughs) i didn't do any core strength training so i was like probably doing myself a disservice but um yeah it's it's funny how you get so into the tech now I'm, i'm thinking about it and it's just like um yeah i don't know i don't know that i had any advantage or disadvantage in in body type but i do remember thinking man it is the guys with the shorter legs that could do those sick craigs, like the full, um, I don't know, the flat crossing and, and sort oh. of get that rotation and stuff out of the yeah. bowl. Like, Yeah, I felt on. like Just... they were more compact too, you know, like yeah. more kind of centred with their own core so their limbs weren't hanging out, you know, in the, during the moves. Sure. It was more like a little compact SUV or something compared to like a big-ass troopy or Range Rover where you just got shit flying everywhere. <laughs> For sure, and it comes back to though too. Just thinking about it is like, but then if you fight against that, see that's that's where I I would have uh, and and could still you know let yourself down thinking about um, just surf how you how you are built like and how your body allows you to surf because you're gonna have some advantages and some disadvantages like just naturally on height and weight um, build and all the rest and just yeah. find what 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 bloody works for you and what and harness that and work off that because um if you're trying to do what some guys are doing and that's certainly what i used to try and do you're just not gonna be able to physically do it um yeah and you're gonna let yourself down and be too hard on yourself and and that creates just a a shit mind frame and then it's just more so judgment instead of enjoyment in the water definitely and that yeah that's just that's that's when you get all tech on it i think um Wait, speaking about tech, man, I've been trying to ask um, all the 
all the guests on the show uh, a set of five questions in regards mm. to um, their equipment and what they choose in Bergen. Do you mind uh, partaking? No, go for it, man. All right, man. So first question off the bat, um, crescent or bat tail? Crescent all the way. I've ridden a bat tail maybe once in my life and I can't even remember how it went, but I remember it was funky. Mm. So I'm a, I'm a crescent for life, I think. <laughs> Lovely. What about... Um, Ramp or pit? Oh, I don't know. Has anyone been able to actually answer that question? Because I feel like, it, yeah, there's no, there's no right answer. Maybe I'm, I feel inclined on a bodyboard to say ramp. Yeah, yeah, and I think also coming from boxy too. Like if you didn't say ramp, the boys would be pretty off a day. Eh? Yeah, I mean <laughs> barrels like amazing, but. And you, and you can't be that feeling, but ramp, flying, yeah, ramp. Yeah, flying, man. We don't have wings. Most humans don't have wings. No. Um, dolphin cut fins or other design fins? And I'm sorry I can't um, phrase that question any better, but I couldn't think of another way to say other than dolphin cuts. Yeah, look, man, I've I've been checking out all the new fins and it's, it's sort of cool to see they've found a way just to tweak it a little bit and keep it similar. But, yeah, like I said before, I'm... I'm I'm rocking that old Malaysian, sweet sweet Malaysian rubber. Um, <laughs> Don't ever let them so. go. No, actually, man, it's so funny. I I triggered a dream I had last night where I was looking at them and they were all decayed and broken. I was like, "Fuck, this sucks!" Like, because I was devastated. I was like, "I can't get another pair of these." And um, that's sort of the reality. Is like, yeah, I'm holding on to them. Um, oh man, imagine getting a GoFundMe page. To get everyone together to get a Malaysian factory back up and running, eh? and just pumping them out for the boys and girls. Yeah, well, I'm sure somehow you throw some amount of money at it, it could happen. Yeah, I know. Eh? We need to get some crazy wealthy investor like the WSL's got and just have it as a tax write off for bodybuilding. Yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> um, beachy or reef? Ooh, again, is there a right? Is there, a, is there an answer that? means something i man i grew up you know surfing boxy and i do love a good a good beachy i, I don't even know is is the like actually I'll, I'll throw a spanner in the works wa is great for it and where you start on a reef and then end on a beachy like that's cheating to answer that question but that combo is so amazing where you like get a reef pit and then, like, Gas, Gas Beach, I was gas just about that. to say Gas Bay, yeah. I mean, it still finishes on rocks, but it's sort of covered in sand. I think, where else has that? Like, maybe in Hawaii does that, a few few places? And it's yeah, like... Yeah, well, you'd even think, I know Kiki's a closeout, but, like, there's times of the year where all the sands were ripped out of there, and that's just bare reef there, mm-hmm. and log cabins can kind of be similar. I know Rocky Point has a couple of little sandy bits on the inside. Yeah. Like, even pipe. Pipe does that, but... um. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Gums. So, yeah, I'm going to cheat and say both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Good answer. That's a quality answer. I haven't had that one yet. Yeah. Um, and last but not least, bicep or wrist leash? Ooh, big questions. I've only really ever used the bicep. I did... Remember trying to use the wrist leash again? It was like the the Rawlins hangover from Stuart, I guess, with the gyros. And yeah, I didn't rate it. It was it was like I think Balin off waves was um, 
getting yanked from the wrist just felt weird and, and didn't seem to work as good. So I'm, I'm bicep all the way. Yeah, and I've, I felt those wrist leashes, which I, I had a couple of gyros too, and I loved them. And I remember Sam Bennett wearing them and, and all this kind of jazz. Um, and I used to think, oh, damn, they're so cool. And the way the, the coil sits on your board there and, you know, like da-da-da. But first and foremost for me, they were definitely weaker than a bicep leash when, when mm. it came to them like not snapping and th- that might have just been my um experience and and secondly like the way it sat on your board if you if you got one one body part out of out of shape or whatever that was getting caught up in it it could get mm. underneath like your stomach or your chest like the, the bicep just seemed to sit there proudly and just did its job yeah definitely have you had anyone say leg leg rope to that one because you remember there was those and they were fucking out of control Um, i do remember yeah i do remember actually i think it was andre botha said like he always used a wrist leash or something i could have this totally wrong maybe he never said it but um so when you had to bail like he would always rip his leash off and, and dive under under the wave and i was like yeah okay quick release but um yeah i um i can't see any other than bicep <laughs> it's yeah. just the way yeah functionality man functionality over fashion yeah. every day of the week that's it all right man well um yeah fuck we've 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 covered some things it was so good having you back on mitch and well not back on obviously just on the potty but having you back in bergen and um yeah really appreciate your your, your time and 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 doing it late on a Bit of a rainy, dreary Wednesday night. No, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. And, um, yeah, looking forward to, to listening to all the, the podcasts and um, and seeing what you guys do. Like, I'm, I'm really curious. Yeah, just to, I, I guess it's a bit of a, a feeling at the moment in, in maybe Australia. Or I, again, I'm so out of the loop. Bodyboarding hasn't gone anywhere, but it does feel like there's a little bit of a, a renewed interest at least from my point of view so i'm yeah stoked to be um chatting about bergen again man it feels weird it feels good though yeah it feels so, yeah. okay i'm i'm i feel you man there definitely was a bit of a slump a lot of people called it the the um bfc i think drag coined that really well it was the, right. the bodyboarding financial crisis <laughs> and um now we're, we're slowly coming back out of the um back out of the depths but everything comes in ebbs and flow and it's so cool to hear that you guys all around boxy and in, in nelson bay nelson, nelson bay. bay is um <laughs> doing like really well and 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 Lovenberg and it's it's sick to hear and i've got to give another shout out to the to the elliot boys elliot williams and elliot butler what they're doing with rippy just like what you were um speaking about mitch is so cool and yeah just yeah. sick they're putting a bit of time and effort into it and and seeing it as a viable sport you know not as just a kid's sport and we, we've all known it to be you know such an important part an integral part of our lives growing up and taught us so much and to see people trying to put their resources behind it and not just piss it away down the drain as a kid's sport is um super refreshing and and on me on a personal level has renewed my love because there was a couple of years there where i was waning a bit too so it's um yeah it's epic to see yeah man you got to do it you got to go through the motions and um yeah, I hope it. I hope it does sort of inject some renewed interest, even just for the for the groms that haven't had that thing to sort of look look towards. You know, like I mean, Riptide was massive growing up for for me and so many people. So 
you got to have that thing to sort of like sink your teeth into and uh and consume so it's a it's a good bloody thing man so yeah thanks mm. happy days mitchy we'll keep well man we'll speak soon yeah definitely mate catch ya cheers dude bye it was all a pipe dream watching bodyboarding up on tv deep at reef watching tension repeats eating